spoken language. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I haven't dreamed at that moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I haven't dreamed waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins, where it all came from, since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional materials. You wake up one morning after not reading a book since your school days and you decide to be a writer. With no good or bad writing to compare against your own, you just know how to write and anyone who tells you otherwise is wrong. Hell, maybe they're jealous of your natural ability to craft the masterpiece. After all, most people need to learn through a combination of books, courses, critical feedback and workshops. Not you, though. It's not their fault. They don't realise your natural talent, but they soon will. How to Write Wrong is the new book by Amanda Steele. The book, which is an interactive story, gives the reader multiple options throughout its story. The book can be purchased from Amazon. Spoken Label. Thank you today for tuning in to Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up at the beginning of 2016 and as of recording has over 200 sessions in our archive. Although the podcast can be heard on Anchor, iTunes, Apple, Spotify, YouTube and literally 10 or 11 other networks, the full archive can be found at Spoken Label, all one word, spokenlabel.bandcamp.com. On the Bandcamp, it is set as pay what you want, so you are entitled, if you wish, you can download it or stream it for nothing. But if you throw me a couple of pennies my way, it is always eternally grateful to help me maintain the operating costs and future running plots for the podcast. Enjoy. Spoken Label. Hi guys. And again, Spoken Label. Back in the house again. I'm on Zoom again tonight. Across the seas again today as well. Back to my second favourite country run of England, Ireland. And I've got a poet with me at the moment, of course. And um, it's getting a good fun this because I've done a session with somebody recently. And they preferred me over to somebody else. And they preferred me to somebody else. And I've got a young gentleman on the phone that three of his friends now have recommended I chat to. And he doesn't know that yet. So, so if you say afterwards, I've got three friends who don't feel like me. <laughs> Rory, do you want to introduce yourself to everybody? Tell them who you are, where you can live, of course, and what started on the creativity. And we'll take it from there. Okay, cool. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, okay, so my name is Rory Keneally. I live in Dublin these days. Uh, I, um, I don't sound it, but I'm Irish. Um, I grew up in London, weirdly enough, when I came over here like a good few years ago to, in the aughts and the noughties. And um, yeah, so I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a poet, a spoken word performer. Uh, I write in a few other media. Um, uh, I'm a member of the uh, Pay Attention Collective, which is a kind of arts group we have over here. 
I'm the co-host and the co-creator of uh, a, a night called uh, Thirst for Verse, which I do with uh, my colleague Quiva Lavelle, which is a kind of irregular, anything goes kind of spoken word and performance night. And um, yeah, I've been involved in the scene over here since about 2010, I suppose. Yeah, I know. Decept deceptively, deceptively <laughs> uh, old, like uh, venerable almost. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, so I wanted to be a writer since I was a kid. And uh, when I was in my sort of 20s, I sort of got serious about it. And I was trying to, well, I, I thought I was being serious. I was writing like short stories and things that like people don't want to publish or read. Um, but I kind of liked, uh, I liked prose a lot and I liked, um, trying to script, writing script for comics and things like that. Um, and then in, yeah, about the end of 2009, 2010, I got involved with a small press over here, which no longer exists, sadly called the Seven Towers Agency. And they were predominantly a poetry publisher and they ran about three, yeah, about three spoken word events a month, sort of a, a short lunchtime thing, um, sometimes a Saturday event. And then the last Wednesday of every month, they had the last Wednesday open mic, which is still going in a different form and is now called the Sunflower Sessions. Cool. So, uh, yeah, so after about a year or two of kind of working with them and sort of, you know, kind of like, managerial assistant slash dog's body, just whatever needs doing, you know, the kind of grassroots arts world. After about a year of that, I was like, oh, I just give this poetry thing a stab. I thought there was some kind of mysterious arcane art to it, but it was just sort of like words, words with a little music to them. And, uh, and performing turned out to be something that I liked. And um, so, yeah, so that kind of like, that, that kind of became the vehicle. That was the thing that I had the most traction with after kind of many years trying to get stories published and failing to finish novels and things like that, you oh, know? Yeah, I relate to that. <laughs> I've got a big stack <laughs> of incomplete manuscripts in my head at the moment. Like like in lockdown, like I, was, I found at the moment, I've had a lot of time to go back and finish off projects that have been pending for years in some cases. And yeah, yeah. So what I'm interested in knowing is obviously, like I, said, I know you see Richard from London. So have you actually, did, did you do any readings in London before you came to Ireland? No, I really didn't. I was uh, I, I was studying and just faffing around being a student. And then I left shortly after that because I just didn't really know what to do with myself. So no, I kind of, when I was in college, when I was in university, I was sort of trying to write a bit, but it was just sort of like dabbling and being distracted by other things. And then I kind of was at a loose end when I got to Ireland. So I was like, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write these two short stories. Um, <laughs> And like my idea of a short story is pretty long. I don't like, you know, sort of 12, 1200 words to 2000 words. It's just warming up. Um, so, so it's like, you know, there's not many places to put those sometimes, but like it kind of got me in the mood to, to do it seriously. And then, uh, yeah. And then the poetry thing just sort of happened as I was describing. And it was like, this, this, this is great. Uh, I can write something and finish it and then test it and then rewrite it. And, uh, and I don't have to sit in a room on my own too much, which is the downside of being like, I used to be jealous of musicians cause they could like jam with each other and Absolutely. writing was so solitary, you know, writing was so like, kind of, you just, it's just you. And then you lose perspective on whether the work is going in the right direction and being able to go somewhere 
and have a pint and do a five, 10 minute slot and then see if it worked or see what people thought. That was all really great. And it kind yeah. of, I'm naturally quite social. So I responded to that, you know? <laughs> yeah, I okay, completely with that one. So I can well relate to that. Now, I know obviously you've done, a, you've done an awful lot of credits of writing blogs and stuff, haven't you as well? So, so did you find a lot of this came naturally at the same time? Because I know you've done work in Hen's Teep, haven't you? Form this greedy pig dubbing. Yeah. The movie Waffler and New Hen's Teep. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's did, right. So I was yeah. working. Sorry. Yeah, go on. When did all that start? Well, I kind of, because uh, I, I was trying to be sort of jack-of-trades writer, like, and just sort of, like, try my hand at anything. And this was in the era when, you know, blogs were sort of predominant. Like, the social media platforms hadn't really swallowed a lot of those functions yet. So uh, I got a job with, I was writing for blogs about, like, comics and things like this. Um, mm. And then I did some stuff when Hen's Teeth started out, they were called This Greedy Pig, and they were kind of like a lifestyle and culture blog. Uh, I think a lot of their blogging is kind of streamlined back. I'm not even sure how much of my stuff is, is sort of left online. Um, but I was work I wrote for them a bit. Um, I got a job with a, a community paper in Dublin 4 called News 4 which is like a kind of free newspaper that came out sort of like six to eight times a year. So I was kind of doing local journalism with them. And then one of the journalists, Eric Hillis, runs an independent movie site called The Movie Waffler. And he ended up sort of asking me if I wanted to do like movie reviews because I'm a bit of a movie buff as well. So ended up doing documentary reviews, animated films, the odd feature, things like that. Which, uh, yeah, and it was fun, but like the thing with the journalism thing was I found that the internet had kind of devalued journalism to a degree because it was sort of like, it was always about turning things over the next day and kind of you're constantly having to produce content and you're having to churn things out at a slightly artificial pace. And then, uh, yeah, I kind of realized after a year or two that as much, apart from maybe the movie reviews and a few things, I couldn't really remember anything I'd written in the last two years that I kind of cared to ever look at again or show anybody again. So I was like, <laughs> I think it might be time to sort of segue out of this because uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't nourishing me, you know. But, uh, but they're fun skills to have. It's a good thing to be able to do, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you're a writer, so you, I mean, you have to learn to multitask, don't you, basically? So that's why I do find that one myself. Yeah. And... I've just been off the diet and chance to do some journalism myself for a face at a newspaper down in London. So, and I'm not really a journalist or writer like that level myself. So it's different indeed. So now, obviously, I know obviously in addition then, and obviously what this all led to obviously was you obviously doing some work with obviously your pay attention collective. And tell us a bit yeah. more about that next. And how did you get involved in that? Well, um, it was friends of friends, uh, who were writers, and then um, I got introduced to it by my pal Rob Kyo, um, who was already on board. Pay Attention Collective had been sort of founded by um, uh, an actor, a writer friend uh, of ours called Ushi McCartan, and he just literally was like, let's get a bunch of people together. Um, and so we started getting into these weekly meetings. Like, this only really happened at the end of 2018, early. It's, it's sort of like last year was the year where I kind of really got involved and it picked up super fast because it was just the right team. And there were a lot of people with a performance background and a theater background. And, you know, like 
if you can find a writer's group that you like, it's great because it forces you to uh, it forces you to be more productive if you're kind of dragging your feet. So Pay Attention Collective kind of quickly evolved into a thing where it was like, um, I think some of the guys came along to a Thirst for Verse um, that we did early last year, maybe. My timeline's getting a bit screwy. And then, uh, and then it was like, hey, you know, we could do one of these. We could do a performance night. Let's pay attention, collective showcase thing, and give everybody a chance to kind of like, um, you know, people who hadn't performed much, or people who were looking for an excuse, or people who didn't think of themselves as performers. But it's like it's simple. You just get up in front of the room with a piece of paper and you read the thing out. And people always think it's going to be kind of hard or kind of like whatever. The crowd won't be into it. Or people, people come to a poetry night because they've been dragged along and they're expecting to hate it because they hear the P word and they're like, Oh God. And they just flash back to school. Yeah, but, sure. um, you know, but if I always say like, if you jump up on, uh, onto a, a table in a pub and just start talking to the room, especially in Ireland, you'll get 90 seconds before people are like, shut up, you know, or, you know, if you can, you can, and there's a bit of a culture of it over here of people kind of like breaking out into uh, verse uh, or singing or having a trad session. So there's there's a bit of wiggle room for it. Um, so yeah, so pay attention collective, like just, it was, you know, uh, Oshin and the other committee members, Fintan, Rob, um, Kat, and, um, and then yeah, more and more people started turning up and we had a little thing and it was it was great. Because it had been a few years, like apart from apart from Thirst Reverse, it had been a few years since it was like, yeah, this is a team of people I really like to work with. Yeah, I get included. Uh, in, excellent, excellent. Now, obviously, I know in 2019, last year, um, you told me already, you wrote, produced, and for two nights of short plays, didn't you, at the Workmen's Club in Dublin. Tell us next about that then. Yeah. How was that experience? But, that was um, like we pay attention collective. Like a lot of the people in it have a theater background, so we had all these actors and directors and writers. And uh, I can't remember who it was. We did three plays. We did a play called The Glass, which was written by Rob Kyo, and it starred Oshin uh, Oshin McCartan and Cat Clinch, and it was like a two-hander. And that play had been he'd been working on that a while. He'd done a few drafts of it, so that was good to go. And they'd already kind of done table reads. Um, so then um, uh, our, another, Ushin brought along another actor, Esther, Esther uh, Kleisa. Um, forgive me, Esther, if I'm mispronouncing that, if you ever eventually hear this. Uh, but Esther, uh, she came along one week and she was like, um, oh, I'm an actor, I don't really write. And then the next week she came along with a, these monologues that she started doing and an uh -huh. idea for a play. And that evolved into, we ended up doing a shortened version of it that we kind of, um, workshopped with her and two other actors who were involved and then uh, and so by the end of it I kind of had a co-writing and a co-directing credit on that and then Kat Clinch had another play called uh, I Love You in Red and so then it was like we've got three half-hour plays we may as well do something uh, so we spent the summer rehearsing them. We did about 14 weeks on Sunday afternoons. Um, and uh, yeah, and then we did the two nights in the Workman's Club, which is a sort of like a, a little venue and bar on the Keys off the Liffey, just in the center of Dublin. And, uh, and it was great. It was, it was loads of fun. It worked. And um, 
the theater bug kind of bit me. So now it's sort of like, oh God, we should do more of those. Um, <laughs> and naturally everything's up in the air now. And like Typical. getting people to go to places is not really an option right now, but it's sort of like, it's there now. It's there now. I can bide my time, you know? But that was, yeah. um, that was what we did there. And that was, that was lots of fun. So the showcases and then the odd, the odd set of plays is kind of the, the pattern so far. Yeah. You know? Yeah, of course. Now, just before I was in went Meadows with Matt, you were telling me before that um, you ran um, a mini arts festival, didn't you? At the New Theatre in Dublin at the beginning of this year. Do you want to tell That's people right. about that Again, next? And obviously that was happening just before, didn't it? Just before lockdown, really, I guess. Just before, like, yeah. Just, uh, it, it, what happened was Oshin um, uh, was... Uh, doing some hours at the new theater, which is like a kind of well-established small venue in Temple Bar, not too far away from where the Workman's Club is. And uh, he went to Anto, who manages the new theater, and he said, uh, hey, you know, have you got any spare slots? Have you got a night that we could do? And Anto was like, I'll give you three nights. Oh, excellent. So we were like, oh, <laughs> damn. Yeah, right. So we ended up doing we ended up doing two nights, but we were given three. So we had a um, we did Valentine's night, Friday, February fourteenth was Valentine's night, and so we were like, okay, brilliant, we're gonna do um, we're gonna do a Valentine's anti Valentine's um, smut night, and we got I got some uh, I got Quiva and some of the Thirst Reversers. Um, uh, some of the pay attention collective people were in and a few of their friends, including Deirdre Rose, who I know you interviewed recently. Yeah, he was there on the night. And yeah, she's great. And we also got uh, our friend Jess Bernard Black uh, and her, her colleague Orla. They have a poetry night called New Romantics. So the poetry night that we did was called Thirst for Romantic Attention. And it was a hybrid night of all three of the Thirst Reverse, New Romantics, and Pay Attention Collective. And so we did two and a half hours that. Uh, that's filmed. We have the footage. We have to sort of edit it and sort of start doing something with it. Um, and yeah, that was, so we did that. And then the next night in the afternoon, we did read-throughs, table reads with actors of plays that had been sitting there. Um, a new one that Rob had finished, one that our friend Cara had finished. And then on the Saturday night, Oshin uh, and his pal Shane Laird did a, com a two-hander comedy play, which was amazing, because I think between the wow. two of them, they played about 40 characters. Uh, oh, yeah, it was that's wild. That's so, some going that, because I'm an ex-actor myself, and yeah. like, I, I know I've done Tenet one night, 40, ouch. <laughs> so yeah, no, it was... It's, Crazy and like the the I mean like the amount of work that uh, Oshin and Shane did they had about a week and a bit to rehearse the whole thing oh, and uh, <laughs> yeah it was pretty amazing so that was really seat of the pants thing and like the weird thing was like right from the start of the year into early March the year was just relentless there was so much stuff going on uh, and it was just like we spent I spent the first sort of eight weeks of the year going God I would really love a break I can't wait to get some downtime. And then, like, you know, we got it, didn't you? So, oh, boy. Yeah, don't yeah, look because yeah, yeah, yeah. me and my partner had a lot of stuff planned in April, March, May, and certainly June. And we've had to let's just stop now, basically, so ourselves. But it, it is yeah. what it is, basically. So now, I want to it is more, what it is. It is yeah. what it is. I want to know a bit more next about the film that you've done. You did a short film last year, didn't you? Poetry, abysmal. 
Oh yeah, right. Well, that uh, that's on uh, Abyssal. That's on uh, YouTube. I kind of like been meaning to do poetry films for ages, and I was in London for a few weeks visiting some friends. Um, my friend Ryan Gaffney, who's a filmmaker, he was wanting to play around with some After Effects and stuff, and he'd shown me this really cool thing, which was uh, I think Robert. It was like an After Effects thing that somebody done on Vimeo, which was like Robert Oppenheimer. Uh, who kind of like created the first functioning nuclear weapon talking about the consequences of this and that he'd been given this creepy kind of uh, vocal effect and it was like it was just very affecting and, and uh, Ryan was like you know you got anything short that you want to do for me and I had this poem Abyssal which was based on a conversation that I had with my mother when we met for coffee last year where she'd been sort of reading something in a like a news magazine she'd read some really disturbing story uh, about uh, about sort of intelligence agencies protecting you know criminals basically and using them as assets and she was talking about how she hadn't been able to sleep properly that night like it rattled her and uh, and it got me thinking about this term that I'd heard that the the British writer um, uh, Warren Ellis he'd written a novel called Normal and he came up with this term abyss gaze and it's you know it's from the the line from Nietzsche about um, Battle not with monsters, lest you become a monster yourself, and gaze not into the abyss, because the abyss also gazes. And uh, so, and it was, they just all fell into place in my head. And it was the one short poem, because like, Ryan just wanted to do something quick. And then it came out really well. I was like, wow, you made me look like I knew what I was doing there. So uh, <laughs> I'd love to do more of those. We're, we're talking about doing more of those with him at some point. So uh, but oh, that, that, was, that was a buzz. Oh, yeah. I think if the other sort of thing you get a chance to do, definitely. Now, um, a couple of things I want to mm. talk to you about today, and I know obviously you've been, you're a poetry coordinator, weren't you? For, is it the Ramin Arts Festival 2018? Ramin Arts Festival, yeah. yeah. Tell us about that next and your involvement yeah. with that. Because see, you were obviously involved in the co-organising team in 2019, weren't you? So, and obviously whether that happened this year or not, yeah. it's a ball game, isn't it, really, at the minute, so... Right, it's all up in the air. But yeah, so Ranla, there, there used to be a, a kind of... Uh, venue and studios place in uh, in the in the village in Ranelagh, which is in South Dublin, sort of not too far away from where I am now. And Ranelagh Arts used to like host. They had a gallery downstairs. They had a, a, a venue upstairs, and they had a number of studios. And they used to do this arts festival. And I was just working with uh, in the office doing admin. And um, twenty. 18, 2017, 2018, um, one of the people who was coordinating that year's festival came to me and said, I left a slot open on a Tuesday night in one of the bars. Do you and Quiva Lavelle want to host a poetry thing? And we were like, yeah, sure. Sounds good. I was already kind of working in the, like, in the back room, like doing, doing stuff, helping coordinate the festival with the, the rest of the team. And uh, and we did that poetry night, and it turned out pretty great. And it became what later became Thirst for Verse, which was already a night that Quiva had come up with the name for and had done a few of. And then it was just like, well, this thing seems like it has legs. But um, so, yeah, so I think that was 2017. And then 2018, they sort of said, would you coordinate the literary events and be in charge of those? So I did. So I got to do my kind of uh, event management thing 
for that, uh, which event management makes it sound so professional, but it's really oh, just God, like yeah. making sure e making sure everybody's there, making sure the mics work, making sure the you know the PA's have batteries in them and so forth. And like, yeah, uh, so that was lots of fun. Ranelagh was a great little spot. The venue sadly closed the end of 2018, Ooh. and kind of like a, you know sort of like it's sort of like this this operation that functions in exile. So the following year, we kind of did Ranelagh Arts. Um, festival without a uh like without a set base just in various locations around uh, around the village and uh yeah i mean those are fun they're like again it's this sort of community arts thing where um there's a lot of value in it people come out to them people really enjoy them but it, it's sort of like you have to kind of get in people's faces and tell them the thing is there and you have to go and make friends with the, the venues around the area and make sure everybody knows about it because it's sort of like you're always competing with the football on a Wednesday night, oh, which can oh, wipe yes. out your show, you know? Join the it's club, the football yeah. or, Join the club. yeah, or like it, an Avengers movie will come out on the Thursday and then that's oh. it, your, your weekend's gone, yeah. you know? Um, so, um, yeah, so like but it, it kind of going places and, and postering and kind of telling people about the thing and inviting locals to contribute and... Um, like one of the things I did for the 2018 one was um, uh, I took part in an arts walk, which was like uh, they were guiding people around parts of the village uh, to different places where performances were on. And there's a, there's a little sort of mystery zone sort of between Ranala and another village nearby called Donnybrook. There's this little kind of walled in area, which is sort of wildly overgrown and has these really ornate, uh, gates and i think it's called the grove it's called the grove it's on morehampton road sometimes called morehampton grove and it's technically a nature preserve but it's yeah. kind of this quirky little bit of local history so i went in there with uh joe devlin who's a sort of theatrical producer and writer and uh acting coach and he we kind of went and wandered around in there and then he was like would you write something about this place and then be on site to perform it so uh, I got to do that and that was lots of fun and I got to kind of dig my heels in and do some sort of like on the spot, I'm writing this just for this thing. I haven't performed the poem since, it just sort of is, is sitting there kind of waiting for me to work out what to do with it. Again. Yeah, you get, you get things like that uh, sometimes, yeah, definitely. I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. Right, okay, yeah. Two, two things to finish off with, okay? Um, obviously mm -hmm. like when we were talking before, it came up with Twitter that you're obviously involved in a forthcoming publication called Sex Tape Digest. <laughs> I've got to ask you about that, because I thought it's too good not to mention <laughs> in the podcast. Now, obviously, you told me a little bit about it off mic before, but for people who don't know what this publication will be, do you want to go into a bit more for us? <laughs> yeah, um, Sex Tape Digest is something, I put it on my Twitter there to make myself finally do it because every time <laughs> I would get around to doing it or get an editorial team together and now I'm even more on the spot because people are going to be asking me about this video. So, it's good. <laughs> so I have um, a few people who like I, I always had in mind it, the idea behind I came up with I heard the phrase in my head one day I can't even remember where it came from sex tape digest and I was like that's too good not Brilliant to use for something. Brilliant cycle. So then so then we were. So then I almost got it together. The idea is that it's sort of like a, an anonymized anthology of erotica uh, for poetry or prose or whatever artwork that people want to do. So the idea is that people can really let themselves go 
um, and be as smutty as they want. And if they don't want their uh, working name, you know, if they don't want their career name associated with it, they can just sort of do so anonymously. Um, so yeah, so Sex Tape Digest is going to happen. And it's, uh, it'll be fun. After we did the thing in um, the new theater, after we did the Valentine's Night thing, uh, Thirst Romantic Attention, it was like, okay, brilliant. Because there was a lot of smutty poetry. There was a lot of kind of like funny stuff. There were a lot of people going on angry rants about romance and a lot of people writing poems about loved ones. And it was really, and it was like, okay, here's the, here's the kernel of the thing. Here, I, I literally have the set list and I can ring sort of like, you know, ring around and ask people if they have a piece to send in. So hopefully that'll go ahead. Um, I mean, it'll be, I suppose it's a good time for sitting down and doing editorial projects or doing, um, you know, trying to get like pieces written because I mean, what else are you going to do if you can help it? So uh, yeah, man, I mean, I really hope to, I really hope to get a move on with that sort of like later in the year when I have a clearer sense of how the rest of the year could shake out. Um, so yeah, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. We'll see that next year in some form. Definitely. Sounds good to me. Now, Obviously, I would normally conclude with asking you what plans you have next and stuff, but we can't, well, we're both countries in lockdown. It's very, very hard to judge what's going to happen next, if anything, at the moment, really, I suppose. So if, yeah. if people want to find out more about you, where are the best going? Uh, keep an eye on the Twitter. Um, like it, that's, uh, so that's uh, at RM Keneally. Uh, on Twitter, I, I really just talk shit on Twitter and make myself laugh. It's not it's not a serious thing. Uh, I sort of decided that when I joined Twitter too late to really kind of gain any traction, and that's great because it means I don't get involved in these these kind of like bitch storms that oh, people get. I don't feel God. any I don't feel any compulsion to heckle anybody. Uh, if I do, I know I'm having a bad day and I try and dial it back, but I just try and have a bit of fun on there and sort of notify people about gigs. As for what else is going on this year, I have two, I still like to write short stories, so I have two, of, uh, a quite short one and a longer one to finish. Uh, a short story called um, Avocado Begets Nemesis. Everybody loves that title except me, I'm not really sure. If, um, but uh, it just seems to me like the sort of title that would really piss an editor off straight away, like a submissions <laughs> editor. Um, but it, it's apt, and that's about a, a restaurant critic who gets a waitress fired from her job in a sort of a prestigious restaurant, and she basically goes to war with him uh, and starts trying to ruin his life. Yeah, and so that's been fun. So I have, I have to finish that. Uh, another short to do, and still wanting to do more plays. So I had kind of, uh, I had an idea for a play and I want to write like maybe a 40 page, sort of something that would work for a half hour long piece. So I'm hoping to get over the hump of like this kind of rhythm of feeling like every day is the same and uh, and get, get, get back to finishing some writing. We're still doing the pay attention collective meetings. We're doing them at a distance on Tuesday nights. So that's still going ahead. Um, and so, yeah, so as regards performance and stuff, who knows? Uh, I'll keep you in the loop. I expect there'll probably be something that's Zoom-based or maybe Facebook Live-based at some point later in the year because we're all itching to get something going, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think that's where you go, that place, because I can't, I'm co-running a night in Stratford near where I was born, actually, on the side of Manchester. And we do, like, a, this show night night ourselves there. And we've doing it on Zoom, because that's the only option, is it? There is a wrong for us, really, because there is other packages mm -hmm. you can try, but I think Zoom's the best one online, so definitely. 
Anyway, Rory, that's all my questions, my friend. So what we're going to do, guys and girls, we're going to let Rory have a bit more with Canad Lager, and we'll take a quick break. <laughs> and he'll come back in two minutes, and that he's got a few pieces for us. So hang around, everybody. See you all soon. Spokenly. Hi, guys. Okay, this is the part of the podcast I always like now. Straight up to Rory, and he's got some, you've got a few pieces for us today, he said, aren't you, mate? So, Brenda, over to you. Okay, brilliant. So this is the first one. This is the longer one. This is kind of my, uh, my party piece and it's called Sneeze Collector. Um, and I will dispense with the preamble and just get to it. I like to track and note the words people say when they sneeze. Ashujwe, kishujwa, heitun. Work pla- takes me places old theaters where dust layers on the tragedy and the comedy faces. Recording studios sometimes have carpeted walls or flaky old cork, and dust is my ally. I've heard them all. I sometimes worry the words in the spat oorsprach, the bursts of indecipherables, seeds of mantras that will never be. Once very clearly, someone said, Jehoshaphate, a name carried on a sneeze. Such things a tickle in the nostril can lead to, such, ex- such exclamations, they fascinate me. They even jumped when they said it, jumping Jehoshaphate, too perfect, too, too, too perfect. Some people just sneeze and no word is decipherable. It's a missed opportunity to say something unique for once, which should be a priority, don't you think? For my own part, maybe a hypocrite, I sneeze mainly place names, Mogadishu, or a hearty Khartoum, or sometimes I sneeze in Yiddish, I, I, I kvetch, or I say mishuka, or mensch, 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 in rapid fire. And although I'm loath to give voice to known or given words, that is my lot, the irony of my vocation, involuntary as the mother of the words, the sneeze herself, who I sometimes call the muse at tissue. I draw also a sketch, wrinkling noses from memory, the folds and the crumples, the frozen moments of inconvenience in the personality, the preparedness. We all prep ourselves to sneeze. It's a petty trauma, petite mal, or one thirteenth of an orgasm, neurophysiologists tell us. For some, it's such a trauma. You could pull something, they say. You could pop an eye loose or a rapture a blood vessel. Fear of sneezing. Few know that they suffer from it. They go so private, unselfconsciously and momentarily interior. They make exception for themselves as they prepare. I've never been fast enough or canny enough in the aftermath to excuse myself, so I don't use a camera as much as I might love to see snapshots of the bluster and the indignity. A camera is not for me. I'm too slow and I'd feel exposed. It's a shame those split seconds captured would all but arouse me. It's a collector's eccentricity, I suppose. And emphatically, 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 it's not a sex thing, okay? Really, 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 really. But anyway, my records of captured bursts and gusts will soon be collected. My curation is reaching its maturity. I'll be including sleeve notes with the first release, and then you'll all see. That's that one. That's it. That was really good. What made you want to write that piece? What's the inspiration behind that? 
uh, I was th I think about collectors. I don't know what it was exactly. Um, it was really one of those sort of like you're washing the dishes and an idea pops into your head and you have to go and dry your hands and get yeah. it. It's really um, on really so I was, I can see you actually went down well now, certainly in the past you've done that. Yeah, I was like, I mean, it gets a laugh, which is one of the good things about doing poetry performances that it, it, it can be funny. It's not just austere, you know, people need to laugh. And um, I mean, I don't know, we all know collectors. We all know vinyl collectors. We like, uh, I used to collect comics a lot and there's a kind of, there, there's a kind of like, there's a kind of one person religion dimension to it. You know, there's this devotion you have. And yeah, and otherwise I can't, I can't even tell you. I probably have a notepad somewhere with my rationalization, but it's, <laughs> I don't know where it is. No, that can I enjoy that. But I know it's, it was, um, I found it really engaging. It, 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 was a, it was very an original piece for me, straight one over there. Okay, now, have you got yeah, one more, two more pieces for us, haven't you, today, mate? I've got two short ones. Cool. Uh, this one... This one was published in uh, Pickled Body, which is a poetry and art anthology that's edited by uh, Dimitri Zadu and Patrick Chapman. And uh, you can find these on issue online. They're all available free. This was in the third uh, edi edition they did, which the theme of which was loaded and reloaded. So uh, I forget the name of this one. I don't think I ever settled on one, so I'll just go for it. Seagulls fly south along the line of this road. They use these lights to coordinate their flights. Orange lights that flow south into city center. We barely even notice them. Our feet are to the floor. We're busy drinking. We sip as we bend forward into our cups. We worry we might drown ourselves, but we still don't look up. Oh, that's lovely. Yes, yeah, nice. Very nice. I think mean, what's good there is a nice change of tone from the first piece straight away. Well, so, yeah, excellent. No. And this one, evocative. There you go. Well, it's like it's very. I mean, I, that, that always makes me think of the the Grand Canal in Dublin. But there's a bar by the Grand Canal called the Barge, and it's always out the door with people during the summer. And uh, yeah, and it's you know, it's it's sort of just. I just yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's sort of like you know when you're in a city, you walk around, you don't look up. You're looking at the floor. You're looking around you. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So then. This last one is uh, is called Auburn, and uh, yeah, this is true. I was on a bus somewhere, and this jumped out at me. I never knew what Auburn was until one day I saw a woman, pale, befreckled, in bicycling shorts, and in an instant realized that the word was onomatopoeic. No one had to tell me that that dusky red-brown was Auburn. The obviousness of it bobbed and danced before me with the lilt of her gait like a flame. Wow. Yeah. Excellent again. That. Now, do you find you on those second and third pieces, did it take you quite a long time to get them right? Or were they quite quick pieces you to write? Uh, those, they, I mean, it's always like kind of, I, I like to road test things a bit with um, performance and then see, you can always cut something down. You can always condense it more. But um, no, those ones are, the little ones are always a gift. They kind of come out fast and then it's sort of like balance it, make sure it sounds, make sure that there's music in it. Like before, before I got involved in poetry, I was always like, um, oh, poetry is something you do later in your career and you learn about meter and you, you learn about uh, formalisms and you kind of approach it that way. And, uh, and I found out that that wasn't really true. It just is sort of like, it's, it's like, it's just, you take the words, you try and include a cadence or a rhythm 
and you you boil it down you take words out so that it's more focused um and uh yeah i mean like i said i was right trying to write prose and stuff for ages so poetry was like a gift because you could be so brief and, and focused you know yeah yeah completely um, that was a fantastic stuff thank you for that today rory a great session well thanks that's it everybody today thank you again rory hang around i need a quick word thanks so much mic. andy it's been a brilliant session i've really enjoyed it it's been really enlightening because it's always good when like you speak to people from countries even though it's like you're all speaking english you see different way people write and think about yeah things. it's great it's really enlightening so thank you again anyway mate. hang around this is andy and sign of everybody i will stay safe and stay sane if possible i'll speak to you soon guys <laughs> take care Bye. spoke on there